Spring and Luke Roman, the founder, the president of FFTT LLC. He's joining us this morning to dive deep into uh, the residual, the leftovers. Uh, uh, talk to us, Luke, this morning in terms of what stood out to you personally as far as the uh, Fed meeting, Fed Chair Jerome's comments or uh, the move in general. I think just the move in general just seemed to be a big re relief reaction. Apparently, there was a lot more concern in markets that the Fed might actually do 75 basis points hmm. uh, than I had perceived going into that uh, going into that meeting. So you, you saw the big relief rally. Um, I'm not sure it changes a whole lot in terms of the picture where we are. As you said, they walk back some of the concerns that they're cognizant of of, of markets, but uh, I, I think we're it doesn't change a whole lot in terms of the the underlying lay of the land from, from where we go from here. Yeah, you know, that's kind of one of my points is uh, the fundamentals that have really gotten us to this point that are weighing on investor sentiment. I mean, they remain. We take a look at uh, some of the concerns about China, for example. Overnight, the Caxon numbers were a bit of a disappointment. I mean, uh, obviously a little bit of a difference here, what's going on in the U.S. versus what's going on in Asia, but still a concern in the term, in terms of the global aspect of things. But I, I guess the real question is where do we go from here in terms of the Fed? Or I guess maybe the real question is where's neutral at this point, because that's the objective. Yeah, I think it's a real key question. And I think something potentially important happened uh, a couple days ago with the quarterly refunding announcement from the Treasury, where they talked about in the calendar second quarter, they were going to dramatically reduce Treasury issuance, which is uh, effectively a sequential dollar liquidity injection into the markets, all else equal. Um, it's uh, I, I think it is a baby step. Um, it's basically Treasury doing uh, taking a baby step toward yield curve control. Uh, and so to me, when you look at what the Fed said yesterday combined with that, I do think it, it's, it's probably too early to get real aggressive with this feeling. But my feeling is that maybe we're seeing the very early signs of the U.S., uh, the Fed and Treasury, uh, and the Fed in particular, uh, beginning to recognize that uh, they're not going to be able to raise rates as much as the market expects. And that's our base case. I think the Fed is going to be done raising rates uh, by the end of 3Q22. Um, so, uh, and, and the reason I say that is, is from what we've seen in markets year to date. Uh, with, with, with what markets have done year to date, uh, I think tax receipts are going to come in disappointing over the next six months. Uh, and I, but I, in, you know, to your point, as long as uh, debt and deficits are as high as they are, and the Fed is still tightening. I think the year, the action we have seen in markets year to date, which is dollar up big, stocks down, bonds down, yields up. Uh, I think that action is going to continue. So we did get a respite yesterday. Uh, we did uh, see Treasury take a baby, what I think is a baby step towards yield curve control of sorts, or a modest dollar liquidity injection, uh, sequentially all else equal versus expectations. But I don't think it really changes the big picture, which is debt and deficits are too high for the Fed to be tightening. Uh, and as long as they are not, uh, as long as they're doing that, I think we're going to see more of what we've seen over the last uh, three to four months. And I'd imagine it doesn't really change the picture in terms of the hearty debate that we've had as far as whether we're going to see a recession as a result of some of the Fed's actions here. Going back to the 30s, I heard a fact uh, the Fed unable to reduce inflation by more than two and a half percent without causing a recession. That's an interesting fact. I had not heard that. I, to me, uh, when you then layer on the geopolitical, uh, 
I think if the Fed keeps tightening, I think we're getting to the point where a recession is basically fait accompli. It's basically a done deal sometime mm. later this year. We've already obviously had the negative real GDP print in the first quarter, uh, but but nominal was still positive. Uh, when you're talking about things like Europe completely sanctioning Russian oil, uh, Europe's going to have a recession, and it's probably going to be a pretty nasty one. And, and going back 25 years, Ben, um, Anytime you've had a problem, basically anywhere in the world, I go back to early days of my career in the late 90s, I remember being told, well, don't worry about the Asia-Pacific crisis, Asia-Pac <laughs> only, 3 to 5% of sales, it's not going to affect these industrial companies in America. And of course, six months later, these industrial companies' orders were plummeting. We had an industrial recession in America in, in, in mid-1998. And so when you, it's fascinating to me in a system that is now way more levered, way more interconnected than that mm. system was 25 years ago. We're talking about a significant recession staring us in the face in a major, major trade player like Europe, and the um, just just the the uh, complacency that the U.S. could never recession as Europe is. I mean, to be blunt, looking at committing economic suicide mm. in the next month or two. I I think um, when we overlay what's happening geopolitically, when we overlay what's happening with energy prices, which have historically we've now surpassed. U.S. energy expenditures as a percent of GDP that have that have been uh, coincident with recessions in the past as well. I think if the Fed doesn't back off soon, I think the odds of recession. I think in the United States, you see, we will see, will rise meaningfully over the next three to four months. Quick look here at the euro currency because it jumped off the cliff already in terms of uh, uh, taking that leap here. You can see it's been coming under pressure to say the least. Now a bit of a rally yesterday, but it's giving some of that back already, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. A little bit more Japanese yen, a similar look here in terms of some of what we've been seeing as far as pressures on the foreign currencies, giving the dollar a bit of a lift here. Your thoughts on the dollar at this point and rates here in the U.S., uh, Luke, they both have been supported by some of the Fed talk. Do we lose that momentum to the upside now as we wait for the next move come June? No, I think uh, particularly now that you have U.S. real rates uh, on the 10-year level positive for the first time in over two years, uh, I think the upward pressure, I think there's going to continue to be upward pressure on the U.S. dollar. I think there's going to be continued upward pressure on U.S. rates. I think there's going to be continued downward pressure on U.S. markets because, remember, Japan's got a massive net international investment position as a percent of GDP to the positive. And so, for example, Japan owns $1.3 trillion in U.S. Treasuries, mm -hmm. the single biggest oldware treasuries in the country. And so when you're seeing the yen weaken, and in particular weaken through critical levels that they've identified, like 130 to the dollar, at some point, they're going to start defending it. And what do they do to defend it? They start selling dollar assets. And so um, when they start selling dollar assets, I mean, we've already seen the yen and U.S. treasuries uh, basically tied at the hip over the last couple of months. That's only going to continue. So you're going to be looking at a situation where if the dollar keeps rising, as I think it will, if the Fed continues to raise rates as uh, um, and, and, and then moves into selling treasuries, you're going to have the Fed selling treasuries, you're going to have the U.S. Treasury selling treasuries, you're probably going to have Japan selling treasuries to defend the yen. Uh, it's unclear to me who the buyer is. And, and regardless of if we can figure out who the buyer is or not, I'm not sure the private sector has the, the balance uh, sheet the balance sheet capacity that would be needed to uh, buy all of that supply at current prices. And so I think prices of treasuries will fall, rates will rise. And so I think we're into sort of this... Um, you know, vicious cycle of dollar up, rates up, stocks down until the Fed is forced to relent. And like I said earlier, I, I think the Fed's going to be forced to relent uh, by the end of 3Q22. 
one thing that's yet to relent, as you mentioned, treasuries to the downside here. And just a quick reminder, when we're talking about futures to the downside, we mean rates to the upside. The bonds here on the left, the 10-year futures on the right, you can see, again, they've eased some, but the trend really well-defined and no rejection of these lower levels. Luke, I uh, try and not get tunnel vision in terms of only focusing on the Fed because we've got a big week here in terms of data due out, the jobs, the earnings as well. But I don't want to get tunnel vision on just this week as well because next week, a big week in terms of CPI and PPI. What are you looking at next uh, once we kind of move past some of the non-farm payrolls and uh, the Fed this week? I think the CPI, PPI numbers will continue important. I think the market's hyper-focused on them and would probably take any um, sequential softening as a sign of, uh, I, I would guess the, the equity markets would probably trade significantly higher on that. I would expect the dollar to soften a bit, bit on it. Just in reading it as, okay, what the Fed has done already is starting to have an impact on inflation. With that said, you know, I... I it's hard to get too excited about one month or the other, especially when we have what's going on in the supply chains in China, mm -hmm. uh, where um, I think that's probably gonna be a pretty choppy, uh, messy data series over the next several months, just by virtue of the supply chain disruptions that have already happened as a result of China's, China's renewed lockdowns. Well, it gives us something to keep an eye on, Luke, in addition to everything else, else we've discussed as the dust settles. Appreciate you joining us here this Thursday morning, Luke, to Take a look at the Fed, financial markets, and, well, a busy week that was and still is in many ways. Luke Groman joining us this morning, uh, and uh, always a pleasure to have Luke with us here. Uh, thanks again, Luke. Uh, Luke's the president and founder, that is, of FFTT LLC. I'm gonna